John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36, and I'll be reading from the New American Standard. Jesus, therefore, was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's offspring and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you shall become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The Son does remain forever. If therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. It's good to see our family again. It's good to be together as a family again, and it's a, it's, it's a blessing as usual to sing together, to pray together, to, to, break, to break the bread of life. Uh, the, the word together, and um, and we're grateful that we have these times together. This morning we talked about why 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 our Savior came to Earth. Why did my Savior come to Earth? And then I let you know that I would be continuing that discussion tonight. Why are you here? Talked about that in in the intro this morning. The, a, a more polite way to ask it, ask that instead of someone showing up and you say asking, why are you here? I read that it's more polite to say, what brings you here? Instead of why, then what brings you here? What might you need from me to make you come to me? Also read that it, job interviews today, you go through this process of applying, sending a resume, people looking over that resume, and then you having some, some interviews, and then you get weeded out, and then if you finally make it to that last interview, there are just a few of you left, and it's time to decide, from, the employers are going to decide which one we will choose. There's a question that will be asked by, by the employer, future possible employers, frequently lately, and it is, why are you here? And that's obvious in a way, well, I'm here to get a job. But what they want to know, really, they, they want to know four important things. They want to know, what do you feel like your skills are? What would you bring to the table for this company? And then they want to know how good of a fit you will be. Will you be able to come and integrate, assimilate? Will you be able to come and be a part of this working family with this job? They, they're going to want to know if you are willing to, put, if you believe in this company enough to put in the effort that it's going to take to make a difference in the companies. And then they want to know when they say, why are you here? They want to know what the likelihood is that you will accept the job if you were offered. And so you would do best to answer in those four areas. Well, I think I, I, I have these skills that I can bring to the table. I believe 
that, that I would fit in really well. I believe that I can actually make a difference here, and I believe that I will put the effort in and accept this job wholeheartedly. That's what they want to hear. They don't want to say, you, you, to hear, why are you here? To get a job. When we ask the question, what brought Jesus here to do the job of being our Savior? What brought Jesus here? We can simply say, well, God brought him here. God sent him here. And he was brought down because God, that was God's will. We talked about that this But when we want to know why Jesus came to, to earth to be a Savior, we need to understand he was the best, the only person for the job, the most skilled for the job of being a Savior. He, he was a perfect fit. How would he fit in? Perfectly. The head of the body. The savior of the world. The sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice for sin. He's going to fit in perfectly. He was very willing to put in the incredible effort it took to get the job done. And then by coming to earth as a man and allowing himself to be sacrificed, he let us know emphatically, I am here to do the job that is set before me. God's will so that you can be saved. We know that he is the one for the job. This morning we looked at three reasons listed in scripture. As to why Jesus came to earth. To serve. To serve his, God's purpose. To serve as an example. To sacrifice himself. For our sins. And then to seek and save the lost. And tonight we will look at three more scriptural reasons that our Savior came to earth. So the first reason we look at is to shine. We get that from John chapter 12, 46. I have come, the reason I came, as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. I came to illuminate. I came to shine in a certain place at a certain time so that people can see there is light and there is darkness. And without Christ, we are in the dark. I came to illuminate that aspect of existence. We have a saying. It, it, I don't know if maybe you have y'all heard this being in the limelight. I'm looking at our young people being in the limelight. You have some of you have. OK, where did that come from? Well, we might say, well, that, that means being in the spotlight. But the limelight is the saying, and it's an interesting reason, refers to, we use it in the sense of he's, he loves to be in the limelight. She loves to be in the, she loves to be center of attention. She loves to have the spotlight on her. And limelight was the predecessor for the spotlight. In the 19th century, the lime and limelight, it has nothing to do with citrus fruit. It has everything to do with a chemical that is, it's a chemical compound, calcium oxide. Just in case you want to make a limelight, then you take quick lime and calcium oxide, and, uh, or that's quick lime, and then, and then you mix them together with uh, hydrogen, oxygen, and then you create an extremely hot flame. And they figured this out in the 1820s. And then one guy, Gert, this, this, this uh, man decided, you know what, we can use this 
as a practical tool, limelight as a surveyor's tool, so you get this light going, and off way in the distance, I'll be able to see that light, and I'll be able to survey this land. So the limelight used to be a, a, a place to mark distance, area, to map out. Limelight used to, and then someone realized, you know, we can use this in the theater. And we can hide, we can put it on people and make them be seen better. And then we can also use it if, if we need the sun to shine, we'll shine it up on a on, on a backdrop if we need the moon. But the most important thing we'll use it for is to put a spotlight on the performers to make them the center of attention. Think about Jesus coming. He says. I'll let you go there. Let's look at that. John 8, 18, 37. John 18, 37. He says, I came as the light of the world. We just read that scripture. I came, he said. As a light. And then John 18, 37, we're talking about God truth in the limelight because of Jesus. And Pilate said to him, and they're having this conversation, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. The truth. Jesus came. He says, I was born into this situation. I was born into this position as king. And the reason that I'm king, I want to highlight. I want to spotlight. I want to make sure that people see the truth. Well, what is the truth? Well, one of the scriptures that we read about the truth, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. We're getting ready to look at the scripture that John just read in just a few moments, but but Jesus is the truth. If you, and good things happen when the truth is spotlighted in our lives. Jesus can put a can put a light around pretty much anything, and we'll be able to see that there is hope for the hopeless, that there is direction for the directionless, that, that for the lost, that there is a way to go that is the best way to go in life, because it's illuminated. He said, I am the truth. And I want you to notice. I want I came to shed light on the truth. I came to expose, to testify, to bear witness to the truth. I came to make sure that you focus on this on this piece of, of humanity, this truth that he brings as a human, the reason that he comes down so that we can know the truth, so that we can be set free. And we'll look at that in just a few moments. But his purpose for coming down was to shine, to shine. Notice he came to set the captives, set captives free. We go to Luke, and I'll let you get there as well, Luke. Chapter 4, 18 and 19. Jesus shows up at his home where he's raised, we read. Nazareth. And, and, he, and he shows up and as is his custom, Scripture says, he goes into the synagogue. And something in that situation makes someone hand him a scroll. 
I don't know if they know who he is yet, but they will, they will make the statement, isn't this Jesus? Isn't this the son of a carpenter? And so they hand him a scroll. He opens it up to Isaiah. He finds his place, and the place that he finds is found in Luke 4.18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives or to bring freedom or to set them free uh, and recovery to of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, to free those who are oppressed, to free, to liberate, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. To, he came to set captives free. And then he goes on to explain, I... I, I, I Today, this, this prophecy is, I am the guy that they're talking about. And they marvel at him, and, and then they have, they have this conversation. Isn't this a carpenter's son? Isn't that, didn't he grow up here? And then he went on to talk about a prophet in his own town, and he goes on, uh, he gives them a lot of information at that point. They are terribly upset, and they bring him out of town, and they're going to throw him off a cliff, and that's when he just goes right through the middle, midst of them. But he came, he came to set the captives free. He came to earth to liberate. And we're going to look at a long section again. And you, you, know, uh, you know where this is. You know what it says because you've just heard it. But I'm going to let you get there again. John 8, 31 through 36. Eight thirty-one through 36. And I want you to notice some things about this scripture. I want you to notice something about this, this conversation that Jesus has with these people. I want you to, to notice what kind of people they are and, and the situation that they find themselves in based on Jesus telling them and explaining to them and convincing them that they're in a state that they don't need to be in. And so 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who did what? Who believed him. These aren't people who are just crossing their arms and waiting for him to mess up. They're not skeptics. They believe him. And he makes a statement to them. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And that's good for them because they, they want to know. They believe in him and they want to know. How can we be his disciples? How can we follow him, learn from him, and then, and then act on that knowledge to be more like him? How can we... Set our way of life for him. He said, you abide my word. You live in my word. You stay in my word. And then 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, we just talked about the idea of shining on the truth, spotlighting the truth, but that truth is going to make you free. And that confused them. Why? Because in their minds, they were already free, and that's what they said. They answered, and we are Abraham's descendants. And have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? They're confused. Now at one point. The Israelites. The children of God. They, they were slaves. But now. They say that's not the way it is anymore. And then Jesus answered him in 834. Most assuredly. I say to you. Whoever commits sin. Is a slave to sin. There's a sound effect that 
sometimes I, I know this is going to be a little strange, and, and you're probably thinking, what's new? Uh, there's a sound effect that, you, that I hear in my head every once in a while when things are going smoothly, and then all of a sudden you hit it. You hit a snag, and you hear that scratch on a record player, you know, and, and I don't know if our young people have ever heard that noise, um, but it is on a turntable, on a record. On, a, on vinyl, and it's a scratch. It comes to a complete stop, and these people are talking about, about no, we're not slaves. And then Jesus says, hey, if, you're, if you sin, you're a slave to sin. What did he just say? And at that point, you are going to have to think, that means me. And he goes on 36, 35, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. What just happened? Jesus said, I'm here to free you. And what did they say? We don't need to be free. We don't need to be liberated. Jesus said, yes, you do. And they, and, and, and they seem to kind of balk at that as well. Jesus says, I am here to free you. And if you want to be free, you abide in my word. That's the truth. You abide in the truth and you will be free for sure. A freedom that can't be found in not just in, in, in just not being a physical slave. A freedom that can be found in having sins forgiven, getting out of sin and allowing yourself to live free. And that's what he did. He came to set us free from sin. He came to liberate us. And Jewish listeners did not understand what he was trying to explain to them. And we were all in that situation at one time before we realized, came to the conclusion that as sinners we are enslaved to sin. We came to that conclusion, that realization. And once we did as Christians, we came to the conclusion that we need to have that sin taken care of. We need to get out of the bondage of slavery, of the spiritual slavery. And we came to the conclusion that Jesus is the way, following Jesus, getting in Christ, letting Him get in us, wrapping ourselves around Christ as we become Christians, as we're baptized into Christ. We understood that will free us. Because when we're in the truth, when we are in Jesus, we are free Indeed, if we live there, if we live there, to set captives free. And the third one, to slay Satan. To slay Satan. You think about David, a young David, and he's getting ready to go into battle. He's going to go fight Goliath. And you think about him standing there and Saul's trying to give him all his armor and he, and he just, he, he, he reminds himself and it seems to be letting them know, like, I, I've killed, I've killed predators. A shepherd, and Jesus is our shepherd, a shepherd doesn't go out hunting for predators because he's not going to leave the flock. He defends against them. Jesus is our shepherd. And he is going to defeat the devil. When the devil tries to attack, he will defeat him. We have John, John 3, 1 John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil. Things we don't want to hear. For the devil has sinned from the beginning for this purpose. For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifested. That's New King James. 
version, but you might have appeared. The Son of Man appeared for this reason. What reason? That he might destroy the works of the devil. That he might reverse those. And he did when he was killed and he's and he, he, on the cross and he's buried in the tomb. He raises, he's raised again and he has defeated death. The works of the devil. We have Hebrews 2.14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. Why? That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. And that is the devil. Destroy him. And not just, not just beat him up some. Not just take, try to take him out of the game just for a little while. But to destroy, to annihilate, to slay. To kill. God didn't put out a hit on Satan. Jesus isn't the assassin. That's not what he was here for. We looked at all kinds of things so far. that He came to seek and save. He came to serve. He came to, as an, to serve as an example. He came to shine. But he also came to destroy those evil works. He's not a hitman, but he is the death. He will be the death of Satan. I think a big question, and so we have these, these six things that we've talked about so far this morning, to serve. He came to serve. He came to sacrifice himself. He came to seek and save. He came to shine. He came to set captives free. And he came to slay Satan. That's why he came to earth. That's why my Savior came to earth. But why is he coming back? And we know he's coming back. Why did he come? We can answer those questions. But why is he coming back? And here's a short list. One, God wants him to. That's the plan all along. Yes, the plan was for him to come as a man and, and, and die for sins. But the plan was also to be resurrected. And, and so far the plan's working really well. But, but the rest of the plan is that he will come down because God wills him to come back. And what's he going to do? He's going to collect the sin. It's not going to be a search and rescue anymore. It's going to be a, a collection of those who are faithful. You know, you, you have a catastrophe and, and the rescue part. Who are you rescuing? You're rescuing the survivors. You're collecting the survivors. And that's what he's going to be doing when he comes back. You think about uh, him bringing light and then we're the light of the world and we're supposed to go out into the world and share this light that he is to us. But he's going to come back. He's the source of light and he's going to come back and collect us, collect the light back to its source. He's going to come back and collect the fruit of the truth and that would be us. He's going to come back and, and relocate the liberated. You think about World War II and the Jews who were, who were freed from the concentration camps and the relocation process that they went through to get to Israel. Not all of them, but, but many of them chose to be with their nation. But Jesus is coming back to take those freed captives, us, pilgrims, people who aren't, who aren't, don't have citizenship in this world, and he's going to take us home. He's going to relocate us to home. To our home, our heavenly home. And then he's going to come and he's going to 
award us the inheritance that he promised. To be able to sit at his right hand, to reign with him, to, to spend eternity with him, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and with each other praising God. But also he's coming back to, uh, it, it's the sentencing phase of judgment. He will take his sheep and, and separate us from the goats and the goats will be destroyed. It's the sentencing phase. He will render punishment to those who aren't a part of him. Render punishment to those who have not obeyed his, his will, God's will, in order for, for us to be part of him, part of Christ's body. He will render punishment. That's why he's coming back. But the most important thing that we need to answer, are we ready when he comes back, are we ready to go back with him? And if we're not, then we're in a scary situation. And some of us as Christians, we forget what he's done for us, why he came, and we turn our backs on that, and we let that get out of our mind, and we start thinking about ourselves and doing things selfishly, turning our backs on God and his will, and forgetting about Christ. And when we do that, we, we find ourselves in trouble. We find ourselves distant, distanced from God. And that's a scary situation to be in. If he were to come back and we were in that situation, it wouldn't go well for us. So as we, as we get ready to extend this invitation, I want to extend it as a challenge. I want to challenge you as a Christian to evaluate your life. And have you been living for the Savior who came down to earth to do what he came down to do, and then he's coming back to do what he's going to do. Are you ready for that? How, are you living in such a way? And if you're not, I challenge you to change, to repent, and then if you need to, ask for forgiveness. But if you're not a Christian, you're separated from God. And Jesus died for you just like he died for me. And all you have to do is submit. All you have to do is repent of your sins if you believe that he's, he's the Son of God. All you have to do is confess him before, before men. All you have to do is allow yourself, submit yourself to him, to the waters of baptism. Go down in the water, come up a new man. All you have to do is give yourself to him and let him do the rest because he's already set it up to where all you have to do is get connected to him. If you're in a, in a situation where you need to respond for any reason at all, let us know now as we stand and as we sing.